How many of y'all are thankful for what Jesus has done for you personally? Oh man, that's a, you know, pretty often uh, work we'll throw around this one phrase, and uh, it's partly a, partly a joke, but there's also partly some truth to it. Um, we talk about things, new projects we're working on or something like that, and we'll say this, we'll say, man, that's a game changer. And sometimes we're joking, we're just trying to, you know, uh, make everybody kind of chuckle or whatever, but uh, at the same time, we're also talking about things that like nobody's done before, that completely changes up new processes or new things we're going to do at work, that kind of stuff. But man, the, the day that Jesus died for us and rose again, uh, that was a game changer. That changed everything from, from there throughout the rest of eternity Things were changed for us. The way we even interact with God changed. Everything about this life and our relationship between us and God changed that day. Praise the Lord for game changers, right? I didn't want to keep playing the same game. I don't know about y'all. Now y'all going to have to help me out a little better than that today. We won't make it through this if that's all, if that's all we're going to do. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we just come to you right now, Lord, and we truly just stand in awe of you. Lord, you did such a mighty work on the cross. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you, God, for, for caring so much about us that you would, you would uh, send your son to die in our place, to take our punishment, God, that we could be set free, that we could have a relationship with you, and, and that death would just be banished. Lord, we thank you and we praise you, God, for your great love that you've shown us. Lord, we ask that you would uh, speak to us through the rest of this message today, Lord, as we get ready to dig into your word and... Uh, Lord, all of that is good, but it ain't worth a flip if the Holy Spirit ain't here doing the work. And so we ask that you would come right now and just begin to minister to each and every one of us. Lord, use me, Father, however you see fit. Uh, I just want to be used by you, God. Come and just do the work you want to do and do it in a mighty way, God. We praise you and we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> Uh, y'all, I've got a lot to cover today, and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that it's not boring, um, but the, the thing we're going to talk about today, if you're not careful, you can get bogged down in, uh, in a lot of stuff and, and completely miss the, the wonderful promises and, and uh, the exciting side. If you're not careful, you can miss that. And so I'm going to do my best today, through the help of the Holy Spirit, to bring these things out to you today. We're, we're going to talk about covenants today. All right? And I, man, I know uh, from my own experience that that's one of those topics that you, get, you start digging into, and man, it can get dry if you're not careful. What is a covenant? A covenant is, is a, you know, today we might would call it a contract. It's basically an agreement that two parties have, have reached an agreement and they've said, this is what we're going to stand by. 
here's what I'm going to do, here's what you're going to do, and there is an agreement that is reached with an end goal in mind. All right, so uh, when we talk about covenants, uh, we can't talk about the new covenant without referencing the old covenant. And we're going to do that today. We're going to talk about some of those things, but we're going to first talk about the new covenant because that's the one that is in effect right now. It's the one that all of us need to know about even if we do, aren't aware of the old one, okay? So in 1 Corinthians chapter 11... We're going to read a little bit here. I've got a lot of scripture today, so y'all keep your Bible handy. You might want to have some uh, note paper out or something like that. There's going to be a lot to cover. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to start reading in verse 23. And y'all may recognize this passage we we pretty often will read it when we're going to take communion, and that ought to be a uh, little hint as to uh, where this covenant is. Verse 23, uh, Paul is writing, and he says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given things, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, you might have noticed that I put some emphasis on those words there. Right? I tried not to put emphasis on the wrong syllable. Have you ever heard that? (laughs) This is the new covenant in my blood, he said. So Jesus in that moment is, is telling his disciples and later he's telling us, this is where I am establishing my new covenant with you. He established it with us, how? Through the shedding of his own blood. The first covenant was between God and Israel. God's promise was to bless and prosper the Israelites. He he had made them a promise of this new land they were going to. If they would obey and keep His law. And that first covenant was not an easy one. And if you do a little bit of reading in the Old Testament, you'll see pretty often they did not keep their end of the bargain. I told y'all, a covenant is between two groups, right? At least two people. There is an agreement that's made, and the agreement that was established in the first covenant was God saying, I'll do my part, but you're going to have to do your part. Moses, for that first covenant, the new co- the old covenant was the mediator of that covenant. Now, a mediator is someone that stands between the two parties. He's the one that's, that's conveying the needs and the desires of each party and helps to work to establish that agreement. So, Moses was the mediator. Aaron was the high priest at that time. He, he was appointed as high priest. And the priest was one that worked to ensure that the the things were done appropriately to be sure that that agreement was kept on the Israelite side. 
They used the blood of animals as a sign of that covenant. That that covenant was conditional, though, on how well the Israelites could keep their end. God's going to keep His end, right? We see that today. God's faithful. He's going to keep His part. But this was really conditional on the Israelites. Will you trust me? Will you believe me? Will you trust that I'm going to do what I said I'll do? And will you just simply keep my law? And I know it sounds simple, but it ain't simple when you put it into practice. So you might say, and the Word says the same thing, that 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 old covenant was flawed. The Word says it was weak in that, in my words, it depended on man to keep the law. So now turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9. Everybody with me so far? So Jesus establishes a new covenant when He he talks about this Lord's Supper that we use to commemorate His death. Uh, he, He talks about establishing this new covenant. We talked about the old covenant and how it was laid out and structured and and what was necessary there. God's going to keep His part if we will keep our part. So now we come into Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. Verse 11 says, But Christ came as high priest. If you're marking in your Bible or making notes, make note of that. Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. You might want to highlight that. That is not of this creation. See, there was a tabernacle built with the old covenant. Moses built this according to the standards God set. Jesus came as high priest with a greater and more perfect tabernacle. What was the tabernacle? That was the meeting place. That was where Moses, the mediator, would go and meet with God. Face to face, the Word tells us. So that tabernacle was an important component in keeping this covenant. How else can the other party hear what God's needs and God's desires, God's heart is, without the mediator going into the tabernacle? Verse 12 says, Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood. You might want to highlight His own blood. He entered the most holy place. And and here's these three words, man, that are so awesome, y'all. Are y'all awake this morning? Listen, He says, once for all. I, I want to make sure we understand those three words because it doesn't say once and for all like, once like it only needs to happen one time because of these events. It says once for all. One time for everyone. All inclusive. We need to understand that. this God wasn't doing some kind of selection process in this moment. He says if I'm going to pay, I'm going to pay for all of it. Amen? Having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, 
Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, He is the mediator of the new covenant. You might want to highlight that. He is the mediator of the new covenant. By means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. So the second covenant is between God and Christians. And you might just kind of think of that as anyone that makes Christ Lord of their life. That's what this is really about. This new covenant is not between uh, God and a specific race. This, This is between anyone that will call on the name of the Lord and they shall be saved is what the Word says. That covenant is established between God and them in that moment. So, God makes a promise. Jesus is the mediator. Remember what we said about the mediator. He is the one that is reconciling the needs and desires of both parties. He's bringing those to each one of them. And He is there to ensure that this covenant is established properly. And then He goes on. Right? It doesn't end right there. He is the mediator of the covenant and it's better than what Moses did. Jesus is also the high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek that the Word tells us. that What that meant, that it's not that He's like this man. He's like Him in form only. Because Melchizedek was a high priest and a king. That is the likeness. And that is exactly what Jesus is. He is the mediator of the covenant. He is the high priest. And He is our King. His blood. Also, He is the sacrifice, right? Man, He does it all in this new covenant. Jesus' blood is good forever and doesn't have to be renewed. You know, they continuously had to go renew this ideal of a blood sacrifice in that old covenant. But Jesus did it one time and it's good. And y'all, here is the most awesome part. This new covenant is not dependent on us. Praise God, right? Jesus did all the work without even involving us in it. And then He says, okay, I've done it all. Now you just have to agree with me. Hmm. That's a pretty sweet deal. I mean, if you think about it, if we put this in some kind of illustration that we can understand today, that's like going to a car dealership. And the guy says, hey, we've already got the paperwork done. Well, don't you need to check my credit? Nope. (laughs) Somebody's already paid that. All we need you to do is sign this paper saying that you acknowledge it's all done and this is your car. It don't get any easier than that. And that's exactly what is going on in our relationship with God in this new covenant. Jesus came. He paid the price. He sacrificed Himself. His blood is sufficient to cover all of our sin. And He is the mediator. He's the one standing there in the presence of God, the most holy place, the holy of holies, making intercession for you and me. 
Praise the Lord. And it's good forever. It's a done deal sealed by the hand of God. Now, if it's okay with y'all, we'll get into the real message. There was a lot of groundwork to lay. But y'all, I'm not here today to just talk about the covenant. I'm here today to talk about how Jesus has the wounds of the new covenant. And that's where I really want to focus today. Uh, as I begin to think about this, I begin to think about how, how Jesus, after His death and resurrection, He still bore the wounds of what He went through. And oftentimes you'll hear people refer to it as scars. And, and I think that is wrong. I think there's something there that kind of minimizes and dilutes what really is going on with Jesus' body. Isaiah chapter 53 is where we see a prophecy of what Jesus was to come to do. In verse 4 it says, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him and by His stripes we are healed. So we all know that passage. We've all heard it. Um, a lot of us probably even have it memorized. That was written way before Jesus ever came to this earth. He was wounded for our transgressions. And we look over in the book of Luke. I told you all have a lot of Scripture today. Verse, chapter 24, verse 36 through 39 says, Now as they said these things, Jesus Himself stood in the midst of them. This is after His resurrection. And said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. So he encounters the disciples. And later, Thomas comes in, one of the disciples, and, and uh, he, he just doesn't believe what they said. And You'll see even the disciples standing there had a hard time. Jesus asked them, why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look, here's the proof. Here's the evidence. Look at me. You see this? In John chapter 20, verse 24 through 29, it says, Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger in the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, I want to 
want you to notice that these wounds are not healed up. I mean, I want you to kind of dwell on that for a moment. I'm going somewhere with it. Uh, we, we sometimes have this mental image that, well, it's a scar on his side. You know, over a period of time, wounds will kind of grow together and heal. But no, he, he tells Thomas, he said, put your hand into my side. There's an open hole in his side. And y'all, I want you to know when a nail goes through your hand or through your wrist, whatever it may be that they did, uh, it, it doesn't just kind of part the water, so to speak. It, it removes things. Especially when it's something, a large piece of metal, there's going to be a hole left, okay? And I'm not trying to be too graphic today or make anybody sick, but I want you to understand that this was not just some little mark on his hand that looks like something that happened. You know, those kind of things may not be so so important when we think about it at the end. If that's all it was, we look at that and say, well, okay, I can see how that might have been where a nail was. But Jesus Himself tells His disciples, He says, No, I want you to look at Me. Why are you doubting? Look at this. Look at it. Look at this hole in My side. Put your hand in there if you want to. This is real. As we think about that things, I want you to, I want you to see that Thomas looked at it and he didn't feel the need to do it. See, if it was just some line on his side where he got stabbed and it healed up, he might have had to inspect it a little closer. But he saw it and he said, no, I believe. I want you to understand that, man, this was a big obvious thing. When, when you see these, these marks on him, whatever they are, whether it's a gaping hole or a gaping wound in his side, it's obvious that this man has suffered wounds that would lead to death. Man, we need to know that, that, that these things are there for a reason. And I thought about those wounds that Jesus still carries to this day as He is our mediator, as He is making intercession for you and me. He stands there by the Father. First, these wounds are an indicator of the validity of His death and resurrection. You can't have wounds like that and continue to live. Now, if they were healed up and there's just a little scar, it'd be kind of easy for somebody to say, well, obviously those wounds weren't bad enough. Look at how they've healed. I don't believe that's the case. Second thing is I believe it's, it's, it's something of a trophy <laughs> or a reminder to everyone that sees of the victory that was won and how it was won. Man, we do not need to forget how great a price that was paid and and exactly what was paid and how it was given. You see, that price that He paid was not something that He could just walk in and sign a document. He didn't just simply be shuffled off into slavery somewhere. No, He paid that price with His very blood. He took a beating. He was beat time and time again to the point of death almost. And then they weren't satisfied. They continued the process. They nailed His hands and His feet to the cross. He hung on those supports only. 
You see, sometimes when they would crucify someone, they would tie their hands to the cross. No, they nailed His, the Word tells us. The Word tells us that they took that spear and stabbed it into His side and blood and water flowed. Showing that that there had been some things taking place inside His body that represent death is occurring. Those things don't normally happen. You don't see blood and water together unless there's a problem. It's kind of like a motor. You shouldn't see water and oil mixed, right? That's how it is in the body. And when they stuck Him in the side with that spear, that was the evidence that death had occurred. If you were to look at that wound today, you would be able to see, especially if you're some sort of doctor or something like that, you could examine that wound and and see, no, death would have already occurred. Guys, I, I want to just dwell on this today because it is so important that as Jesus, our mediator and our intercessor, is there in the holiest place of all, is also our high priest. He has evidence. And when the Father needs to bring an accusation against us because of our unrighteousness, all He needs to do is show Him. He don't even have to say anything. All He has to do is show Him. It's already been paid, Father. I have covered it. Do you hear me today, church? Because He doesn't have to stand there and make a case somehow with eloquent words. All He has to do is show the wounds that He has on Him. The third is it, this is part of the covenant. These wounds show us that this covenant is eternal. It's not going to fade away over time. I've got scars on my body that I can't hardly even find anymore. Right? As time passes, it blends, it moves, and you get to a point you may not even be able to notice it. So these things are not something that we just get over in time and it's just going to pass and fade away. No, this is eternal. It is written in blood and these wounds stand the test of time to show that I have not forgotten my word. I have not forgotten what I came to do. I did this forever. Praise God that this thing is eternal. Praise God that it doesn't have a time limit on it. The fourth thing is those wounds serve as tools for intercession. And I touched on this a moment ago about the, how He can show them. I'm going to read something from Charles Spurgeon. He says it better than I can. <clears throat> Another reason why Jesus wears His wounds is that when He intercedes, He may employ them as powerful advocates. You know, the Word tells us that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. When He rises up to pray for His people, He needs not speak a word. He lifts His hands before His Father's face. He makes bare His side and points to His feet. These are the orators with which He pleads with God. These wounds. So I'm here today to tell you that Jesus still has the wounds of this new covenant. They serve as a continual reminder of what He came to do and how great He did it. 
Y'all, I, as I was reading this, I began to, to read part of uh, some, one of the things I was reading was talking about death and how, and I know this is a little bit of a, more of an illustration that you're not going to find this written in there, but it alludes to this. Uh, death, when it would often bite man, would impart death. You understand? See, death does not come until there is no innocence. Adam was fine until he lost his innocence. Until he gave up the thing that God had told him. When he turned and he rebelled against God, even for a moment, death had an effect. It took hold. But there came a day when death tried to bite another one. And he took a bite of Jesus and all of a sudden life was imparted to death. You see, he's the only one that ever came that had life in him to start with. And when death took hold, it lost the battle and it died. Y'all, there came a day when death died. Y'all hear me this morning. And and forever it is dead. Death has lost its thing. Death has been swallowed up in victory, the Word says. And man, those wounds that Jesus carried are a continual testament. Huh? It's a continual testament of death losing on that day. Praise the Lord. I read earlier that there is no testament without the death of a testator. He died, but he lives forevermore. Death could not hold him. Now, if you're here today... Man, I don't know who I'm here to speak to today. I don't know who I'm here to deliver this message to. But I do know this. It doesn't matter what state you find yourself in. Whether it's lost and you don't know Jesus, you can find Him today. If you're here today and you've forgotten about the joy of the Lord and what He has done to you, let me just be a reminder to you today. I hope and pray that you leave here being reminded that you have a king, a high priest, a mediator, an intercessor all rolled into one. Oh, and I forgot one. A sacrifice also to pay for your sin, to cover your debt, to do all that is needed to cover this in this new covenant. All you got to do is agree with Him. Jesus, You are Lord. Jesus, You are Lord. 